Welcome to Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 13.40 AM. Tim Unglesby with you each and every weekend, 10 p.m. to midnight, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Here in town, we welcome back Mr. Brian. It's been a, been a few months. Brian is back with us, so we're happy to have him back aboard the show. And, of course, always... My co-host, partner in crime from TomBartonSports.com, Mr. Tommy Barton. And Tom, we're gonna we're gonna run the gamut again. Lots of lots going on to uh, accompany the whole world of sports. But I think tonight, well, actually, before we jump into it, let's get the let's get the uh, personal out of the way. Next weekend, we're gonna we're gonna take it off, Tom, for Memorial Day. You know, obviously, there's a lot of meaning behind the, behind the holiday itself. But we're we're usually off on that over the. I'd say over the last 10 years, we've been off most Memorial Days. So is there a time-honored Barton tradition that you're going to do now? Not only just because it's the holiday, but you know you know, you don't have to do the show next week, of course. Uh, we're actually going to Disney again. Uh, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when do we not go to Disney? But, yeah, we're going to Disney. Um, it was, it's one of those trips that we know it's going to be a crazy mess down there. We know it's going to be a, a bad time to go. But we've been so many times now, it's kind of it's kind of easy. It's kind of nice to be able to pick and choose what you want to do. So I'm going to be in Disney. I plan to do the show from the hotel room, which I normally do. Uh, but now, uh, no, we won't. That's, yeah. that, that, that's a little bit of a weight lifted off my shoulders. And this correlates with the end of the school year, I'm assuming, as well. No, no, not at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, uh, our school year here in New York doesn't end until – I would say almost late June. I, you know, I would call it mid to late June until June. I think it's the 20 something. So oh, wow. yeah, but, but because of the holiday, we're not leaving until Wednesday night. So Tommy's only going to miss three days and Gracie's still in uh you know, she's still young. So it's okay. If she misses Tommy's a little, a little personal brag here. My son um, is in second grade. When he goes into next year, they move schools and they told him he's going to be in advanced classes. So oh, he's wow. getting into, they don't call it the gifted program anyway, anymore. When I was a kid, they called it the gifted program. Now you're not allowed to use those terms. So he's going into advanced classes. So the, the teacher said, yeah, we're not worried about Tommy missing three days of school. He'll be perfectly fine. Oh, no, that's great. That's great news. I know um, here, so the last day of school for kids is Wednesday. And then uh, they're out, but they go back mid-August. So maybe that's yeah, that's it. the same thing down in Florida. That's why it's such a crazy weekend. And, and, you know, Abby's from Florida, so she's used to that that crazy schedule. When she came up here, it was a little bit of an adjustment. And, you know, it is, it's going to be packed in Disney. It's going to be insane there um, because everybody does get off and it's kind of the first weekend of getting off and everything. So we expect the crowds. We expect it to be insane nonsense. But, uh, you know, the way that we plan it now, we, we, we're, we're old veterans, so – we go to a park one day, Tim, you know, deal with the craziness. The next day, we plan nothing. It's just a pool day. Then the park's the next day, then a pool day. And then the park the next day, and then a pool day. So we get that one-day break in between. It's always a system, Tom. There's always a system. And I, and for people that don't know, Tommy drives this this uh, leg to Florida. So We're flying um, this time, Tim. Oh, okay, okay. And, and, and because of the boss of my family – and I don't mean my 73-year-old mother. I mean my four-year-old daughter who told me she really wants to fly because the the drive was just way too long. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was going to say, because you, you, I was going to segue into my next uh, thing, was that, that I'm drinking a Mountain Dew right now, Tommy, because I'm a little tired. Ah, but I know yes. that you don't drink those, but for the trip, you, you have to partake in a couple. Yes. Well, uh, for those that don't know, yeah, I, I have problems. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't drink caffeine at all, and I am a hyper guy, so I just don't stop. Uh, we, we used to always talk about the time that I drove back from uh, basically what is St. Louis, right? My my wife's family's from Springfield, Illinois, which is closer to St. Louis than Chicago, and it's about a nineteen-hour drive. And I was supposed to stop. We had a hotel reservation in Pennsylvania. And they were sleeping, and I said, I'm just going to drive through. 19 hours, no problem. I do Disney. It's about 17 hours for me, usually no problem. I, I went above and beyond when I drove from New York to Key West nonstop uh, with Abby sleeping the whole time uh, going down there. So that was a little bit less than 25 straight hours. Tim, I had to go through two Mountain Dews that time, two. And I'm not talking about two liters, two the little ones that you get at the gas station because that's how much caffeine affects me. <laughs> I think, you know, for these drives, and you and I have talked about it before, when you have to break up that time into, because um, it's a very monotonous drive, you know that, man, and there's only so many things you can look at. You do spend a lot of that time listening to I, some some type of sports talk, right, Tommy, whether it's podcasts or whatever the local sports shows are or national. You know, that's the thing about what we do is that people listen. You know, they're there. We don't you know how many truck drivers that I've met that listen to the show via the podcast because it's all available over at LVSportsNetwork.com. But that's the thing is that we keep people entertained and uh, we help them out for guys like you. They're driving cross country sometimes. Yeah, it really is. It People are, you know, sitting around like, oh, what do you listen to? I'm like, I can't listen to the music at night. I just can't. You know, um, I love listen. I love my tunes. I love to have it on. During the day, sure, but at the night, I need some kind of talk. And I need, I don't need monotonous talk. I need something to get me going, something to get me wanting to pick up the phone and call, something to get me wanting to run to Twitter when I, I'm done with my drive to respond, something to give me something different to look at. And we do. We get a lot of, um, you know, Twitter interaction. You guys can go to Tom Barton Sports or at HW Sports from truckers and people that are driving overnight and people that worked overnight. And look, I worked overnight for 11 years of my life. I know what it's like. When I wasn't working overnight, I was a bartender and I'm staying up till four or five o'clock in the morning, you know, and the nighttime hosts, I always thought had to be something a little bit different. So you, if you're doing the drive, right, I always like to leave at night because obviously in New York, not only do you have to worry about getting out of New York, which is the worst traffic ever, but the D.C. traffic is miserable. The Washington, D.C. traffic is almost as bad, if not worse than New York. So I love to I have a, a bet on a game. Okay, I find it on my XM app or whatever it might be. I'll listen to the game and I'll follow the game. So, Tim, you already, by the time I'm getting out of New York, I'm sort of following, not worrying about it. You're talking about a three, three and a half hour game. Okay, so I like to leave at about six o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night. Then after the game, you listen to a little post game. You're checking out the other games. By the time you get into the sports talk, guys, it's it's our time. Right. I mean, it's when when we're on it's 10, 11, 12 Eastern uh, or so. And this is the time where I think that a lot of the sports talk hosts, you know, really do shine because they have to come up with topics and they're not just talking about the games that went on. And yeah, it absolutely keeps me entertained until the morning shows start coming on and they get the morning show and all these craziness. And then, then it's uh, okay. On to the podcasts. I think for me, and this is even before we started doing the show because <clears throat> still I'm, I'm a creature of habit as well. And, 
I like the overnight shows. I like overnight music stations. It's just that's that's my character ever since I was damn, we're going back into my teen years and then when I my first, you know, my first couple jobs, they were late night jobs, so I've always liked national sports talk overnight. You're right. You you have to be a certain um you have to have a certain personality to to really carry those shows sometimes. And I think that it's great nowadays when you really look look at how things have progressed over the years. And when I when I say creatures of habit, like look, you may be my best friend in the whole world, my man, but I always look at it as I have your podcast ready to go tonight when I leave work. I know I'm listening to uh, your your podcast, which I know we're going to bring up here in a little bit. But it, it's it's people are like that. That's what they want to listen to. So I'm glad that we're able to present that to the listeners to know that when he he wave sports is on, they know they can go and listen to us, Tom. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. You know, the, the replays are pretty huge. Um, you know, there are there are massive talents in this business. You know, guys like Steve Summers, you know, um, uh, guys like Joe Beningo that were, were strictly overnight guys. Hey, look, Pharrell got his yeah. his gig being late at night. Yep. Uh, strictly overnight guys. And you, you are. You are a different animal. Like us, we're not going to sit back and just talk about the Golden Knights for two hours, even though we're on the Golden Knights network. You know, we're not going to talk about the Raiders – just because we'll we'll mention them and we'll get into it, but we've got to be creative and everything that we always say, and it's tongue in cheek, but it kind of isn't Tim. Most of the topics that we talk about on Saturday and Sunday night are the topics that they're talking about Monday morning. Yeah. And I think tonight we got a, as always a good, good lineup of, of topics to talk about it. And let's start tonight, Tom, with the NFL, just because, Hey, look, it's always something in the NFL going on. We have taken a couple weeks off from NFL talk, but I think, you know, we still may be, what, three, three and a half months away from opening day, but teams are, are really shaping into form here. But there's still a lot of question marks on uh, some named players out there that don't have a job yet, Tom. Yeah, there there really isn't. You know, you said it. Um, how many days? Tim, 109 days. <laughs> 109 days till opening day. Seems like a long time. It's not really a long time. And, uh, yeah, I, I mentioned this to you because I wanted to to kind of get into it. Because I don't know what to think right now. We are sitting in a position where I continue to keep hearing that teams don't want Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, Baker Mayfield, they don't want him. And I wonder why. Look, we know that Baker Mayfield does too many commercials. We know that Baker Mayfield has had his ups and downs in the league. Uh, Make no mistake, I very much understand that. But we also have to understand, guys, Baker Mayfield is a starting quarterback in this league. I mean, he really is. Baker Mayfield is a guy that when you break it down, his numbers say he's a starting quarterback in this league. Now, the team that continues to look at him is the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold is not a starting quarterback in this league, right? I mean, uh, let's just say that. In 2018, Baker Mayfield, and I get it was a run-first league. I get it. I understand a run-first team specifically. But the guy's 27 years old. Okay, we know what he did in college. I'm talking about in the pros. In the pros, 64%, not 2018, 64% completion percentage, 3,700 yards, 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. That's a good year. 93.7 passer rating, if that's what you like. Okay, that is a good year. That is a starting quarterback. 2019, only 59% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. Bad year for him. But he bounces back in 2020, 63% completion percentage, 3,500 yards, 26 and 8. 
with a 95.9% completion percentage. And then even last year, even though he went 17 touchdowns and 13 interceptions, Tim, and he only threw for 3,000 yards, 61% completion percentage. You look at that in the league and you go, I'm sorry, but this guy is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Look around the NFL. Look at the ages. Look at what we're talking about. Look at Sam Darnold. And you could talk talk to me while he's on the Jets. Sam Darnold had one year where he passed for more than 59%. Sam Darnold has one year in his career that he passed for more than 3,000 yards. That would have been the worst year for Baker Mayfield. Sam Darnold, his best year, he threw 19 touchdowns. The last two years, 18 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. Both years, more interceptions than touchdowns. And we're not talking just with the Jets. We're also talking with the Panthers. Both years, under 2,600 yards passing. Both years, under 59 or under 60% at 59% completion percentage. Tim, Baker Mayfield's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. So when I continue to hear that the Carolina Panthers don't want Baker Mayfield, I start to think, you know what? I think they do, and they're trying to play hardball. But then I keep reading a report, and another report came out today, that they're still in talks with Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, now this can make sense. It can make sense if you are saying, you know what, we don't want Baker Mayfield because we want Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, I'm listening now. You're looking at a guy that, again, he's got his flaws, but the last three years, 68, 67, and 69 completion percentage. Then he had a, a 59 in 2018. Before that, 67, 68. The guy throws 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. 98% rating. 102% rating. 90%, 96, 113. Look, you, you say what you want about Jimmy Garoppolo, but he is the guy that you want at 30 years old. If you're going between him and Baker Mayfield, I'm taking Jimmy G. But the thing is that you're going to have to make a pretty substantial investment towards Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. All I keep hearing is that San Francisco is not sold on Trey Lance. And San Francisco feels like they have a shot at the Super Bowl this year. They don't want to give up Jimmy Garoppolo because they're not sold that Trey Lance is the guy right now. You know, this is a an NFL right now, Tim, where I believe Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be a starting quarterback. I believe Baker Mayfield deserves to be a starting quarterback. I do not believe that Sam Darnold or Trey Lance are a starting quarterback right now. And it's weird how we're sitting here with two big names kind of in flux. Being a Ravens fan, I dreaded playing Baker Mayfield twice a year. And it wasn't necessarily because he owned us or anything like that. You know, Ravens went to the playoffs twice because of Baker Mayfield. Let's put it that way. But the talent that that guy possesses when he's on is something else. And last year, you know, when you're reading the stats off, he did miss a couple games or else he probably would have broken the 20 touchdown rec- uh, mark there as well as he would have been closer to 3,500 yards passing rather than the three that he got. And I think last year was more of an indictment of that, look, they were running the ball successfully and, and that took away from a lot of his offensive statistics. But it just, whatever the reason was, Tommy, and it's probably the curse of the Cleveland Browns was, that was uh, always harboring, I think, what we're looking for in a breakout season, you know. And maybe that Carolina's that spot, but can we throw in Seattle too, Tommy, when you look at what Seattle has? When, you know, after that trade to move Russell Wilson out of town, 
are you going to tell me that Geno Smith and Drew Locke are your guys there? You know, you have a set of bookend receivers that are two of the top guys in the league, and you're going to go with Geno Smith? I don't buy that. I think the the guy you just said, Jimmy G, or the first guy in Baker Mayfield, maybe that one of those two guys will be in Seattle come opening week. Tim, Joe Burrow, same sentiment. Joe Burrow was asked this week uh, about Baker Mayfield. He said, every time we play him, he balls out. Baker will land on his feet, right? You know, talking about this. Um, I read reports that basically they're saying, you know, we want – the Carolina Panthers want Baker Mayfield, but they want them to take on a bigger portion of his salary. I get that. Look, it's a salary thing. I get it. Um, people forget that Baker Mayfield, he's being called selfish because he played through an injury. And this isn't the pound the Baker Mayfield drum. I, I think he's a solid quarterback. I don't think he's great. But I also wonder, Tim, do you wonder that Cleveland's dragging their feet because they're not sure about the Deshaun Watson situation? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you wonder if Cleveland's trying to hold people off? I mean, we've done that, right? In, in fantasy, we were just talking about fantasy earlier earlier today, fantasy football. Um, in fantasy, you ever get that trade offer on a Tuesday and you go, eh, you know, he went down last game. Uh, can I hold this guy off until Friday before I pull the trigger? You know, have you ever done that? Yeah, I think we all pretty much have. Do you think the Browns are doing that? They're they're playing a little bit safe and going, okay, yeah, you know what? Uh, we're not paying anything to Baker, but we know you're interested. We'll come back to you if Deshaun really is, is going to be our starting quarterback. You think that Deshaun stuff has a problem here, that, that he's out there and they're going, I don't know if Watson's definitely starting the season. Absolutely. You have to assume – I don't know. You have to assume that – because he was never officially given – uh, a suspension, right, Tom? Because he wasn't. Look, the NFL no. still has to rule, so you have to assume that there's a, there's going to be some type of game loss here. And Cleveland's again, what are they left with at that point? So I, I think it has to play into that a lot. And Cleveland does hold the cards, actually. But I know Cleveland just like you do, and I still find a way that they're going to mess this up. Tim, if you're <coughs> the, and this is a straight question that. It needs no more context than, than exactly what I'm asking. I know that their salary, I get it. Tim, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you're a Ravens fan, okay? And you have to play Baker Mayfield in the Carolina Panthers or Sam Darnold in the Carolina Panthers. Who are you more worried about? Oh, you already know I'm playing Sam Darnold. And, and ask the same question about Seattle. You just made that distinction rather clear, right? So it's not a question of can he play. It's not a question of does he deserve to play. I think a, a lot of this is those underlying factors, those secondary things, his contract. Are they really ready to trade him? What's going on there? But let's turn it over to the Jimmy G thing, Tim. You know, I've heard a lot about the conversation that Jimmy G's on the table, but he's been he's been on the trade table for, what, two years now, right? Mm-hmm. Trading for Jimmy G, there is a lot there. First of all, you have to believe that Jimmy G can stay healthy, which he's never done in his career. Second of all, San Francisco is going to ask for a haul. But I think it's the San Francisco side. I keep hearing that they're not, they are not convinced with Trey Lance, right? They're, they're not completely convinced that he's ready to take over. And if you have a team that's as close as San Francisco is, and, and look, San Francisco is close. Let's not kid ourselves. If you're that close, do you trade Jimmy G? Or do you have the luxury of saying, you know what? We're holding on to him. I, th- I think – with him, it's always been, and I don't know, like you said, because coming off that Super Bowl year, 
he got hurt, and that was that was a big thing. And I don't know if he's uh, never stayed healthy, Tim. He's not a healthy. No. He's never stayed healthy. And it's I think Shanahan, right? I, I, for whatever reason, that 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 just crows in his mind that he's looking for the next big thing, which was supposed to be Trey Lance, and it still could be. He's just young, so I, I don't know. I I would assume I would assume that he's not a 49er come this season. It wouldn't surprise me if he was still there because it's almost like teams now try, like you said, they try to hold these chips in till the last second to see what what what's going to go on first, and then what kind of deal they can get. Is there a desperate team? Is there not? Something tells me that he needs to go somewhere else as well. I mean, if I were Jimmy G, I'd want to go somewhere else. Just I know that maybe I have an injury issue, but at the same time, I think he feels disrespected. I think we get into the position here where you know me, I always break quarterbacks down into threes, okay? Not into two, good or bad, no, they're into threes. Are you a top 10 quarterback, meaning you could lead a team to a Super Bowl, potentially win an MVP? Are you a bottom 10 quarterback, hanging on to a job, looking over your shoulder, or you're very young, or are you in the middle? Tim, I think Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo are closer to the middle than they are to the bottom 10. I feel more comfortable and more secure with Jimmy Garoppolo than than Kenny Pickett. Now, Pickett's young. Look, I think he's got a great career ahead of him. But I feel more comfortable today with that. I feel more comfortable than what Seattle has. I feel more comfortable than what Carolina has. You can argue, look, I'm a Bears fan. You could argue you feel more comfortable than Justin Fields. You can argue you feel more comfortable with Jimmy G than a, a Mac Jones for a year. So I, I think that they're closer to that middle grouping than that bottom grouping, which in itself is just a little weird, right? I mean, that these two guys are kind of being shuffled about, but neither one of them are being shuffled about just saying, oh, yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll throw you on the team. No, it's you will be a starter wherever you go. I agree. They're definitely middle middle group quarterbacks, and they should be starting. There, there's no, there's no uh, debate about that. It's just that finances and – they just happen to be on teams that look. There's there's issues all around. I I think they're both gone from their respective teams right now, and and that's uh, whether it be Seattle, whether it be Carolina. Those maybe they, maybe one goes to each one. Tom, I don't I don't know. That's a good question because I think Cleveland is invested in Watson, and and that's ultimately gonna you know it's, it's gonna, they need the money so. That ultimately, regardless of the suspension, whether if it's a year, it's different. But I don't think they're going to give me a year. So I, I think they both go on to different places come this new start of the season. I'm going to go one further here, Tim. I'm going to say I think it's disrespectful, disrespectful to the Seattle fan base to start Drew Locke in game one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know I'm not an anti-Drew Locke guy, Okay. But you're going from Russell Wilson. You're not even trying. You're not even attempting to fake it here, right? I mean, come on. How do you? They're they're in that that middle ground of being stuck. Are we a rebuild or are we just trying to change out a couple pieces? Because, like I said, oh, they're a total team. rebuild. Yeah, they're total. Here's the problem, right? When you're talking about you know Seattle and and the rebuild, um, they are in complete rebuild mode. They actually went out there. What did they do? They just went out there and they drafted a guy at a position where they had their next guy in Rashad Penny and they have Chris Carson coming back. So you know they're in rebuild mode, except Pete Carroll's 71 years old this year. 
I mean, how are you in a rebuild with a 71-year-old coach? Which is, if they are in a true rebuild, which I, I agree, it, obviously all the signs point that way, it just has to tell you that this uh, fodder that Garoppolo and Mayfield are on the radar obviously could be some BS, but what about Metcalf and Lockett? you got two of the top, I'd say two of the top 15 receivers in the league on that team, and you're just going to tear it all down? I said the minute that Russell Wilson was traded, I said Metcalf's got to be next. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw what A.J. Brown got and what I saw what Hollywood Brown got, I was stunned that they didn't go out there. You would have got, you would have been able for, for D.K. Metcalf. I don't know if you could have got two number ones, Tim, but I think you could have got a one this year and a two next year. It, you you might have got two ones. I mean, again, why are they holding them? Why are they holding them unless you feel like you're a quarterback away? If, if Seattle feels like you're a quarterback away, but they don't, Tim. Everybody forget. Look, the Russell Wilson move, okay, that's one thing. But everybody forgets they also got rid of Bobby Wagner, Tim, yeah. who is their defensive lead, their best player and their defensive leader. You go get rid of your defensive leader and your offensive leader, the face of the franchise on offense and Look, if you had any fans left, they're going, oh, I'm wearing my Bobby Wagner jersey, right? I mean, you're sitting there in a position where you're telling your fan base, we are starting over. We're starting over with a 71-year-old coach. Well, let me ask you this, then, since you brought up contracts and um, big-name receivers. So we've seen, as you said, A.J. Brown moves because Tennessee doesn't want to have to pay what the contract's going to be come when it's come time next year. Hollywood Brown in Baltimore, gone now to Arizona. Uh, Tyreek Hill, obviously we know that that situation, KC to Miami. But what about these other names, though? You, you said Metcalf. We got Samuel who wants uh, – Debo wants more money now. Terry McLaurin said he's unhappy with his contract, Tommy. Uh, Aaron Donald this week, not only receivers but other players. Aaron Donald wants more money. So we're seeing all these guys come out saying, hey, pay me or trade me. What are your thoughts on that? Look, go get the money while you can, but I think teams are being dumb. There's no wide receiver that has ever, and I've said this time and time again, there's no team that has ever been a wide receiver away from a championship. There is no team in the history of the NFL that I've ever witnessed that I look at them and I go, oh, yeah, they won that because of the wide receiver. You know, the wide receiver complements the other positions. The wide receiver complements what you have. Um, the fact that Stephon Diggs is so good is because – what you have in Josh Allen. There's not a single Buffalo fan. There's not a single NFL fan that has ever watched a Buffalo game and said, oh, Stephon Diggs makes the difference there. Look, he is a good player, but Josh Allen is the man, right? Uh, Tyree Kill was just left out of Kansas City. Does anybody think that Kansas City is going to go out there and go, you know, eight and nine this year? Yeah, no. Um, it gives you a slight boost, but I think you're overpaying. And, and what you're doing is you're overpaying for a position that has consistently been told to scouts, to general managers, and to head coaches throughout their lives. It's a replaceable position. It's the same thing with running backs. We went through the craze where everybody paid running backs, and guess what happened? Everyone got burned, right? I mean, people, Sean Alexander and, and Saquon Barkley, and uh, look at what, uh, what just happened with Todd Gurley, right? Mm -hmm. You got burned. So – we have learned and we've progressed over the course of the NFL. You pay left tackles. You pay quarterbacks, obviously. You pay pass rushers. Maybe you could pay a corner, a shutdown corner. 
there are certain positions that you just don't pay. And there are some teams that still want that flash, still think that that guy is going to do it. The Raiders are one. Oh, we're Devontae Adams away. Eh, yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, I mean, no, you're not. It's no slight to the Raiders, but no teams are a wide receiver away. The Miami Dolphins, they get Tyreek Hill. Tim, are they winning the division because they got Tyreek Hill? Absolutely not. So there are some team philosophies. Andy Reid is uh, is looking at Tyreek and saying, hey, look, he's a huge luxury, but I'm not allocating that much money to him. Aaron Donald is a different breed. Aaron Donald is is a smart businessman saying, look, I'm the face of the franchise right now, despite being a defensive player. I might be, and I'm being called one of the best defensive players of all time. Go get my money now. So I'll never blame the, you know, I'll never blame the players for going to get their money in a league that your career is this short. I will never blame the players to go to get their money, but understand that there's a lot of different philosophies out there, and most of them are the guys that are asking for the big money right now, and now all of a sudden wide receivers. I've talked to scouts my whole life, Tim. So have you. I talked to coaches my whole life. So have you. I talked to general managers my whole life, so have you. If you give me a list of the top 10 best positions that you need, wide receiver is not up there. That's Tommy Barton, Tim Munglesby. Time for our first timeout here on E-Wave Sports Saturday Night Edition. We come back. Look, there's plenty going on in the world of sports. We'll break it all down for you after this short timeout. It's E-Wave Sports. Back at it on a Saturday night, Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton. And we're back with you tomorrow night at 10 o'clock as well for the Super Sunday night edition of the show. But we're going to stay with some, some pigskin here. Everybody loves the football, Tom. We went from, now we're going to go from the NFL to the collegiate side of it. And this isn't necessarily about players per se, but an interesting, an interesting um, discussion point in that War of Words broke out <clears throat> earlier this week, starting starting with what Nick Saban had come out and said about the NIL. But Jimbo Fisher had to jump on that train, and we all know the past there, Tommy, between these guys. I will tell you guys, if you are not paying attention to this, this is must-watch TV. Uh, remember that, first of all, you got to do a little backstory here, Tim, because Jimbo and Saban coached together at LSU, right? And... A lot of the conversations coming out, uh, yeah, you know, they didn't like each other even back then and whatnot. So, you know, you you, you have Saban kind of go out there, make some ridiculous Saban-like comments, and Jimbo, listen, Jimbo went after him. I, and you try not to pick a side in all this, uh, but you have to pick a side, right? And I'm, I, I do not like Jimbo Fisher. I am a very not... Jimbo Fisher fan. I don't like anything about him, okay? Uh, but you sit back and you go, I, I kind of got to agree with Jimbo here. You know, um, Saban came out and said, we have a rule right now that said you cannot use a name, image, likeness to entice players to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year, and he was really good. Really good Division One player to come to the school. It was in the paper. They bragged about it. So he did that. Then he talked about what Jimbo did. And... Saban continued. I mean, we're second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for the name, likeness, image. We didn't buy one player. I mean, how much more can you throw somebody under the bus? So in response to that, 
Jimbo at a press conference, and if you guys are WWE fans, Tim, I know you are. This was like the CM Punk pipe bomb promo cut, right? Jimbo basically had a press conference where he said, I'm going scorched earth. And he held back details, but he didn't hold back much more. Jimbo basically said, look, I know things. Be careful. Start digging. He said, start digging into. Do a little research on Nick Saban. You'll find out a lot. Um, Jimbo called his comments despicable. He said that Nick Saban called him to try to work it out. He didn't answer the phone, and he told Saban, hey, yeah, we're done. Um, he went on to say, look, you coach with people like Bobby Bowden, you learn how to do things. You coach with other people like Saban, and you learn how to not do things. Uh, some guys were out there, some Alabama writers and, and national writers. One national writer said the Jimbo press conference was the wildest thing I've covered in 13 years in this business. The wildest thing. Jimbo Fisher went nuts. He said um, he thinks he's God. He thinks Nick Saban, Nick Saban thinks he's God. He thinks that he can't do any wrong. Some people think they're God. Go dig into God and how God did his deal. You may find out that a lot of guys know something. and We, we don't have to go there, but I know a lot, right? I mean, he went nuts. He really, really went scorched earth. So he went around further. And I'm still just giving you the backstory here. It's despicable. We're taking shots at 17-year-old kids. We never bought anyone. I mean, he just continued and continued. So the five-star Jackson State recruit, by the way, took to Twitter. And he said, now this is the Jackson State signee, Travis Hunter, that Nick Saban was claiming uh, got a million dollars to sign with Jackson State. And he went to Twitter, Travis Hunter, and he said, I got a mill with a laughing emoji. But my mom still stays in a three-bedroom house with five kids. LOL. So, you know, you got to pick your battles. And my take on what happened here was Nick Saban looked at this thing. He was asked a question that he didn't like that he was getting questioned about a recruiting class. And he was trying to say, and we do things clean. Not everybody else does. And we don't have the advantages of being Alabama anymore. And just walking into someone's room and living room saying, hey, we're Alabama. Now you have to come with a check. I mean, that's kind of what he was saying. Instead, he decided to throw A&M down the stairs because A&M had a good recruiting class and they still didn't win. Remember last year, Jimbo said, we're going to win. And Saban said, at what golf, right? I mean, they, they don't like each other. So he took a shot at that. Then he took a shot across the bow at a kid that he obviously was recruiting that decided to go with Deion Sanders instead of Nick Saban. And I think like a lot of these NBA, like a lot of these college basketball coaches that are retiring, I think he sees the writing, writing on the wall where, man, recruiting has changed completely and Saban's frustrated. With all that, I also believe just about everything Jimbo Fisher said. I think there are skeletons in Alabama's closet. We all know they've been probably paying players. I've said that for years they've been paying players. For years they've been doing underhanded business. For years, Nick Saban isn't a great football coach. He's a great recruiter. Well, being a great recruiter probably comes with a big bankroll. I believe all of that. So there's a situation here, Tim, where Nick Saban can be wrong, Jimbo Fisher can be wrong, but they could also both be right. And I'm kind of standing there. I think where there's smoke, there's fire. I think they both probably paid players. I think they both have undermined deals. I think Saban's undermined and underhanded deals are probably bigger than what Jimbo's done. Uh, Jackson State kid probably didn't get paid a million dollars. I'm sure he did get paid money. Like, all of this probably is true in some effect. 
Yeah, Jimbo Fisher's just uh, not afraid to speak up or be bullied by uh, Nick Saban, right? And, you know, I, I say you're right. I, I don't think Jimbo's clean as a whistle here. We all know something was probably going on with Florida State at, at some point. And, and now Texas A&M, but he's, he just, I guess he just says, hey, if you're going to call me out, I'm going to call you back out. So it is an eye for an eye, right, Tom? And I think it's funny that, what was it, just less than 48 hours later, Nick Saban comes out and apologizes. Well, roundabout way says his apology about what he said probably wasn't the right way to do it. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and yeah, not exactly his biggest fan. Steve Spurrier came out and said, you know, did Nick Saban say anything that lied? Right. I mean, did, did, did he lie there? And I, I'm kind of in the same thing. You know, I'm kind of in the same vein where, look, I don't think he said anything lying. What's weird is that, you know, you threw Deion Sanders under the, the bus, which I'm watching a commercial with Deion Sanders and Nick Saban. Right. I mean, aren't they doing commercials together? And Deion Sanders basically said, you know, Alabama uh, coach Nick Saban used used me as a pawn to get more money for his boosters. Um he said, Coach Saban used me and used Jimbo Fisher as pawns in his plea to get uh, more money from boosters. Why? You know, I like, like, that's just my own question with Nick Saban. Why go down this road and open yourself up to that? Why would you put a target on Deion Sanders? Why would you put a target on Jimbo, who you know has stuff on you? Look, you're beating him on the field. You can have the back and forth about golf comments and stuff like that. But to accuse someone of cheating, there's just that that level that you snap. You know, there's that level where I, I, I'm not saying I agree with anybody here. I'm not really taking a side because I think they're both probably undermined, underhanded guys, right? But there just comes that point where you can't take anymore, right? It, it just bothers you to that level. When you get to that level, you got to ask, like, why did why did the other person pick this forum? Um I'll tell you a, a funny little story, right? So, you know, I, I coach Little League. I've coached Little League for the past, you know, five years or so. Um, I've had a lot of the same guys on the team and what, whatnot. So, in my Little League, you have to have 10 players. Oh, all the teams, oh, almost all the teams, I should say, put two pitchers out there. There's a lot of the guys, you know what I mean, seven, eight years old. They can't throw it across the field. So, you put two pitcher positions out there during uh, the, the pitching situation. Okay. So we had, last week, you know, we had uh, playing a different team, and they said, yo, we can't have two pitchers. It's against the rules. No problem. We moved our guy to the outfield. And the guy was on the field, and a league official came over, and he said, this has never happened before. We've never seen any team use two pitchers. And the the parents in the stands are going, every team we've played this year, <laughs> right? We played we played 10 games already. We've used this positioning in 10 games. And, okay. And he looked all the parents in the eyes and looked me in the face and said, no, that's a lie. You guys are lying. That's where I think that this went, right? It's don't, nobody's arguing that, you know what? Maybe, maybe you were a little paid a little bit. Maybe there were some nefarious things. All right, maybe, but why call it out to a personal level? And I think that that's really what gets you because that's when people are going to push back. Calling out Deion Sanders randomly is going to get a pushback. Calling out Nick Saban, I'm sorry, calling out Jimbo Fisher for having a bad recruiting class and not winning. All right, that's fine. Saying, ah, you can't beat Alabama, you're going to go play golf. All right, fair game, Tim. But going out there and saying, you know, you bought every player, we bought none, when you know that he knows you're underhand in this, like, 
that's just idiotic to me. And I think that that's where it got to a point where you get pushed so long, but everyone's got their buttons, Tim, right? Accuse me of a million things, but there's going to be a button that you press that gets me really annoyed. And he pressed Jimbo's button, and Jimbo came out scorched earth. You're going to call me a cheater, really, guy? Okay. We're, that's enough. You know, maybe maybe Saban knows, and we've seen A&M has been able to knock him off here recently. Maybe he's feeling that pressure, Tommy. Maybe the senile setting in a little bit here. And, and maybe, like you said, time's running out on, on you, Nick, and you don't know how to handle that. Well, I, I think we have to look at all of what's going on in college football and college basketball, Tim. You know, there's a reason why we're seeing a mass exodus of coaching. Coach K left, <clears throat> you know, uh, Roy Williams left two years ago. You see Jay Wright leave at the top of his career. There's a reason guys are bolting. And it's not just because, oh, well, you know what? Uh, they they can't play anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, they can't do it. They're not a good coach anymore. No, they know it's a different league. They know it's a different situation. It's a different way of doing business. And that way of doing business is where Jacksonville State actually can get recruits that Alabama can't. Because maybe they will give them a little bit more. I would go as far to say that people will relate to Deion Sanders and his celebrity more than Nick Saban in some instances. I'm speculating here, but I think that he sees it as an uphill climb. One more note of college football I wanted to bring up. And I I don't know. um, Obviously, a lot of these are are set up for better better matchups. But you're seeing now that these division or the conferences are going away with the divisional title games. And now it's going to be the best two teams by record or percentage or whatever. They'll play in these championship games. Tommy, I, I don't know what your thoughts on, but the PAC 12 and then all the Mountain West have jumped off that as well. Joining the uh, big 10. It's all going to be jumbled up. I think that we're, we're heading in a direction where college football is going to be a massive split. I think we're going to have, we're going to have to, I mean, we're going to have to have – where we used to have the, the Power Five, you know. It, it's going to be the Power Two, and those Power Two, maybe Power Three. It, it's going to be that massive split. I don't I don't anticipate it slowing down, Tim. You know, I don't think that we're going to be sitting back in 10, 15 years from now and telling our kids, oh, yeah, for a little while there, it seemed like uh, everybody was jumping ship to go, no. I think it's going to be, oh, yeah, we remember when there was a power five, right? I, I think that's going to be the conversation. To me, everyone's going to jump. They're going to keep moving the playoff system around. They're going to keep moving the bowl system around. They're going to keep stacking the deck to where they want to stack the deck, and they're going to keep pushing things until the eventual split happens. And then what happens, Tom? That, that's, that's the big question is when it does happen, chaos. That's the only way I, I think, can describe it. Well, I, you know – I think where we have the FCS, Tim, I think we're going to have a second division. You know, and a second division will be the Mountain West will be in a, sec- a separate division, right? Um, the Mountain West will expand. It'll take some of the Pac-12 teams that couldn't really do it. I mean, you think about if, if there's a – let's just say there's three divisions, right? Three, three power three, not power five. Most of the ACC will probably gravitate – uh, towards the Big East, but you might have a Florida State and a Clemson go to the SEC. I think the ACC will probably uh, be diluted in football, but then you go, wait, what about basketball? Maybe 
it'll be able to stay separate, separated there. This is the big thing. If it was just football, Tim, I could see there being three conferences, you know, and that's it. The, the SEC, which will really just swallow up the Big 12. The ACC, which will be split between the Big East. I'm sorry, between the Big 10 and the SEC and the Pac-12 will probably, you know, I don't know if they are even going to survive. To me, the Pac-12 is the, do they start to grab teams from the Big 12? Can you convince teams from the Big 12 to join that Pac-12? Or that's why I said two or three. They may just be gobbled up also. And you see the Big 12 jump over to the SEC, the Pac-12 jump over to the Big 10, and basically the ACC split. And I think we're going to have only two giant conferences. Because I don't know, Tim, I don't know if the Pac-12 can survive. And then if you have these two big conferences, you're going to have football champion one, and then all of these other conferences will be champion two. The Big East will be with the Mountain West, for example, right? And 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 the Sun Belt will be with the Mountain West. You, you're going to have to. You can't sit here and start to talk about a conference that has the amount of talent and the amount of television contracts and, and then go ask a team like Wyoming to compete with, with you know, in the, compete for the same championship, Tim, as Alabama. Yeah. Go ask Hawaii to go compete in the same championship as Alabama. You know, go ask, uh, uh, you know, uh, Wyoming. Go ask uh, Connecticut. Go ask UConn to go compete for the same championship that Alabama is competing for. And that's what they're doing right now. They're competing for the same championship. It's ridiculous. And we got a dose of that in the playoffs this year with Cincinnati, right, Tom? As great as the story it was, we saw what happened in the, in the semifinal game. And we've seen that, right? We watched. We lived through Boise, probably deserving an opportunity year after year, couldn't get one. We lived to, through US, UCF legitimately raising a championship banner that was fully, fully earned. We watched them never get an opportunity. Went undefeated, played a decent out-of-conference schedule, never got a chance. I mean, you can say right now, we're sitting here in the mid, late, it's actually the 22nd, but we're sitting here in late May, Tim. I can tell you right now, there is no more than 14 teams in the country that could win a championship next year. There's, And if you want to stretch it, you might go, oh, Tom, that's crazy. There's 20. I mean, we're talking about 20. You can eliminate, no matter what you do, you can win every single game on your schedule. You're still not getting an invite to the championship. UNLV, perfect example is UNLV, right? We're sitting here in Vegas, right? We're on the air in Vegas. If UNLV goes undefeated tomorrow, uh, this year, Tim, they don't get invited to the championship game. No. Absolutely not. They so wouldn't even make the final fair? four. Right, right. They're, they're, not, yeah. they're not getting an invite. Not even a little bit. So there's nothing that they could do. They, have, they could have the most miraculous season in the history of their program. The best season ever. Go totally undefeated. Their quarterback could win, uh, you know, every, every award for the Mountain West. He won't be invited to New York for the Heisman, and they don't have a chance at the championship. That that's not look. It's a sad reality, is what it is, Tom. Because that's the way it's. That's set why we up, need a split. It, we yeah. need two divisions. We need Division One, Division Two. And that's no slight to UNLV. They're Division Two. They're just as well as like you said. Even if you want to say the top twenty schools can vie every year for a national title. 
that leaves the other 300 plus in that other range, right, Tommy? It's just the way it is, man. I don't. I, it's, it's look. It's so much different than college basketball. It's crazy, but that's just the way it's become. That legitimately, and and I agree with you. I think it's less than 20, but we'll just say 20 for argument's sake. That leaves what? How many other over well over 100 schools that there's no chance they're never going to be able to be in that echelon? No, not at all. Uh, not even a little bit. Uh, you just it, it's. Uh... It is a sad, like you said, sad. It's a sad situation. You know, you have, even in even in like the ACC, for example, right? Duke, do they have a chance to win a championship, Tim? No. no. Does Virginia really have a chance to win a championship? No. Does Boston College? No. Syracuse? No. You know what I mean? These teams really have a chance to win the national championship. I think Wake Forest, Wake Forest finished number 15 overall in the country last year. They went 7-1 and one in the ACC. They went 11-3 and three overall. They're bringing back a lot of their, their team. They are in the top 25 for the most preseason polls that I see. I'll tell you right now, Wake Forest doesn't have a chance to win a championship. Like, that's, that's the leader of the Atlantic in the ACC. They don't have a chance to win the championship. They don't. And it has nothing to do with, oh, well, schedule tougher teams. No, they play in, they play in the ACC. They're going to take on Clemson. Then they go to Florida State, right? They take on Louisville on the road. They take on NC State on the road. They take on North Carolina. They take on Syracuse. I mean, they're, they're playing in the ACC. Wake Forest could go undefeated, Tim, and they might not be invited. Yeah. But it would be – so if we took that out of the equation and we had Division Two for, for example, and you had Wake Forest playing in a national title game against take your pick, you know – creates a different type of excitement, right? Because we like watching Sam Harmon and Wake Forest play, but we just know when it comes down to it, they're not beating Alabama, or they're not beating um, Texas A&M, or they're not beating Clemson, right? But you take it a step back, and they could play for a Division II title. That would be fun to watch. Yeah, how about, how about uh, you know, a Wake Forest, um, you know, Wake Forest-BYU championship Division II title game. I love it. A lot of scoring, a lot of fun. There you go. That's the voice of Tom Barton. This is Tim Unglesby, hour one in the books. In hour number two, we got a lot of playoffs going on in these these uh, the major sports. Not only are we going to talk to Stanley Cup playoffs, but we'll check in with Tom for his NBA playoff update, and we'll check the check the scoreboard. Has Tim watched a minute of NBA basketball since we last talked about it last week? I think you already know the answer, but we'll confirm that on the other side of the timeout at C-Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Do you like yelling at technology? Listen anytime on your smart speaker. Just tell it to put on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, KKGK Las Vegas. The Heat Wave Sports Show is owned and produced by Tim Unglesby. All opinions expressed by the host or guests are their own and are not endorsed by either radio station KRLV Management or any of their advertisers. Are you ready? Now back to Heatway Sports. Quick, quick timeout there. We're back. Hour two, Heatway Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim be Brian with you here in Las Vegas. And my partner, as always, Tom Barton, back in New York 
in hour two, Tommy, we're gonna we're gonna break down some playoff talk as we're now in rounds, what is it, two of the respective sports. And we'll start with the Tom Barton segment because checking the scoreboard, Tim has still not watched a minute of NBA basketball, Tommy. Give us an update. What's going on in the world of the National Basketball Association? We actually had a game that wasn't a snorefest blowout tonight. <laughs> Although it started like that. Uh, I, I tweeted this out and I said, Tim, every week I'm like, man, I want to come out here and be like, yeah, hey, you're missing some good NBA. And every week I'm like, man, maybe Tim's onto something here. <laughs> this might not be any reason to watch the NBA this year. These games have been horrific. Horrific games um, since we last talked. We talked on Sunday, right? So just to give you a, a little synopsis here. We spoke on Sunday. Um, it was the last conversation. Tuesday, the Heat, game one, beat the Celtics by 11. The, the game wasn't that close because the Heat pulled away to a 39-14 third quarter. So they beat them by 11. All right, not the biggest snore fest ever, but... Almost an unwatchable game. Then came Wednesday. Game one, the Warriors won by 25, Tim. Uh, completely unwatchable. Thursday comes around, the Celtics win by 25. Completely unwatchable. Friday comes around. All right, well, the Warriors win by nine. They come back from behind. They had to put up a 43-point fourth quarter. All right, it's within 10, Tim, right? But again, a nine-point lead, fourth quarter. There was no doubt by anybody that the Warriors outscored the Mavericks, Tim, uh, 68 to 45 in the second half. Pretty unwatchable uh, by my account. And then tonight, we got a Heat beating the Celtics by six, only by six to take a 2-1 lead. But, Tim, this game was out of hand right away. And that's the thing. They were up by 21 points in the first quarter. The Heat were up by 21 in the first quarter. Now, Celtics made a small comeback in the second quarter, right? Um, they, you know, they cut it down to, instead of 21-point lead, a 15-point lead at the half. Third quarter was even. And then the Heat called the dogs off. So the reason why this is a six-point lead uh, and only a six-point win is only because Miami never really was in doubt in this game. So just so we are aware since we've spoken to him i'm trying to push a game that at the half was up by 15 after the first quarter was up by 21 trying to push another game that won by nine sandwiched by games that were 25 point blowouts the nba has been unwatchable but i will say this look the celtics heat series this all comes down to health williams was out today the celtics have been missing guys it's been a problem uh, but you can't count the Heat out, and people did, especially in the betting community. People counted the Heat out right away. Everybody was on the Celtics. Here we go. Celtics, Celtics, Celtics. They're not going to lose another game. It's it's going to be a blowout from here on out. Here we go. Watch this. And the Heat just don't go away, and that's something we talked about. You know, the Miami Heat over the last two years have been beaten both years by the eventual champion. Kyle Lowry was out. He returns after missing four games. They, they felt him right away. I mean, his impact impact was right away. Now, Bam is going to get the most of the recognition. Bam had a huge game. But Lowry, look, they, they, they felt that. And Miami looked unstoppable early on. 
This is a, a Celtics defense that's supposed to be, oh, man, Celtics are so good. They let up 39 points in the first quarter, and it was just, why watch the game anywhere after that? There was not a point in this game after the first quarter that you felt like the Celtics were going to come back. There, there wasn't a point. There wasn't a, uh-oh, here comes the charge. Uh-oh, here comes the Celtics. No, the final score is actually alarmingly close considering how much the Heat dominated this game. So when you look at game four, which will be Monday in Boston, the line is the Celtics minus seven, Tom. They're they're hoping that everyone's healthy. They're hoping that they're going to get Williams back. I mean, they're they're hoping. And it's in Boston. So I think it's a fair line. And here's the thing. At this point, <laughs> if you're taking the underdog at this point, um, you're just absolutely slamming the money line. And if you like the favorite, have no worry about whatever the number they put up because they've all been decided by, like I said, nine points, 25 points. I will say this, though. Jimmy Butler left for the second half of the heat. His status we have to know about. I have to know about Williams, who missed the game. Uh, Marcus Smart went down. Really, it, it looked for a moment that he broke his ankle to me. It looked like he might break his ankle. Or, you know, he might have broken his ankle. I need injury updates to make any kind of conversation about this. Now, Smart did come jogging back. He did a little Willis Reed action, only to still lose the game. It was fine. But you never know. Those things swell up over the next couple of days, and the Celtics have just been dealing with a lot of injuries. I have to know the injuries. This is going to be an injury series. It's a built-in excuse for Boston, but it is a reality. You have to know the injuries. And I want to know about Jimmy Butler. The line tells me, the reason why the Boston Celtics are seven-point favorites right there, the line tells me that Jimmy Butler's probably going to miss this game. And, and really, it's I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the line, yes, everything you said injury-wise definitely stands out, but also in terms of must-win situations here, Boston doesn't want to go back to Miami down 3-1. to one. That's That has to be factored in that line a little bit that you think Boston is going to come out ready to play, whereas today, obviously, they were not ready to play. Well, Boston is the betting favorite. I mean, people like to bet on Boston. People understand how good Boston can be when they're clicking. And anybody that's making excuses for Boston right now, their excuses are valid. Look, we have not had a healthy team so far in this round. You know, I mean, we just haven't. So you put a healthy team on the floor, you you miss Jimmy Butler out there, all of a sudden you go, yeah, the Celtics are going to win this game. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect Bam to hit, you know, 31 points again. Uh, so I think it's a fair line. The other series, Tim, start that goes tomorrow, I don't know why people are shocked that the Dallas Mavericks are in this thing. I, I, I really don't. And we talked about it before this year. I thought the Warriors were going to move on. I thought the Warriors before the year were going to win this whole thing. I thought the Warriors before uh, the playoffs were going to win this whole thing. But people are shocked that Dallas is hanging in there. you know. And it was a nine-point win. Oh, they're shocked. Look, you're going to lose in Golden State. I get that. I, I, I get that. But this is still a good defense. They have been a little exposed. But now they're going home to Dallas. The Warriors, I, I'm sorry, the Mavericks have lost every game one in this playoff series. They lost game one and two already and have come back. Playing in Dallas with Luka in the mode that he's at with this defense, I expect a close game tomorrow. But, Tim, I'll tell you what. You have my NBA brain battling my sports handicapper's brain. Because my NBA brain is going, ah, you know what? I think Dallas will play well tomorrow. They're a tough team. Um, you know, they're a good defensive team. Luke is in a zone. I think it could be a close game. 
my sports betting and sports handicapping brain goes, how the hell are the Warriors an underdog? You're, you're giving me two and a half points with the team that I think is going to win the championship? How how are you doing that? In a game last game where everyone thought that the, the Dallas Mavericks played amazingly, just the best half of basketball ever, they got humiliated in the second half of that game. And you're giving me two and a half points? It's something doesn't add up here, Tim. Yeah, it's one of those lines like you always you're, – you're funny that it could just be whenever you see the line and it doesn't set right with you, you're like, Tim, this line doesn't seem right. And that that kind of popped out to me as well that it's so so uh, small of a number for a team coming back to their home uh, arena for, for a very important game in the playoffs, Tom. So are they trying to generate Golden State money on the other side of it? Is that, is that where that line comes from? Because I would think – Dallas would be just a little bit heavier of a favorite there. I almost want to slam Golden State. <laughs> almost, right? I, I mean, I won't take this because you're right. When I see a, a weird line, Tim, I run away. You know that. Um, so I'm not going to take this game. But I don't think either one, if we're sitting here tomorrow night and we're going to sit there here tomorrow night, we're going to have the conversation about the NBA. And if I sit back and I go, man, Dallas' defense looked good. Luka took the game over, and they walked away the winner. We're going to go, all right, that's about right. They're back home. Good defensive team. They're in the spot. Great player. Excellent. But I don't think anybody in this, in, in any way, shape, or form is going to go, eh, Warriors went on the road. And they won. They were just a better team. And you're going to go, wow, that's a shock. No, it's not. That's not a shock. You know? So, I look, I think the game is going to be a close game. I tend to think – It'll be lower scoring than we've seen the first two games. But I can't bet against the Warriors right now, and I'm certainly not at betting against Luka, Dallas' defense at home. How how shocked or surprised would you be if Golden State swept this series? Not at all. Yeah. I think Golden State's the best team uh, by far. I, I don't think it's close. I think that if you look at what they are, what they can do, how deep they go – they are built to be a playoff team. So it wouldn't shock me at all. The only thing that would shock me is that Luca would, it, it's kind of my Connor McDavid theory, you know, that Luca would not be able to dominate for one game to win one game. You know, Luca's that good. He could take over a game that much. Usually those guys, you know, they could win one game strictly on just a, a monumental performance, you know, a, a game where, you know, he goes for 45, you know, 15 and 10 kind of thing. I think he'll have one of those games in Dallas. But I only had them winning one, maybe two in this round anyway. So, yeah, a sweep wouldn't shock me at all. One more NBA note. Uh, obviously, for us, we, we laugh at the state of the L.A. Laker franchise right now, but they've narrowed down their list for the next head coach to serve under LeBron James. LeBron James. Yeah. The the assistant coach, I'm sorry, Tom. The assistant coach LeBron James, Darvin Ham, Terry Stotts, Kenny Atkinson. You know, this is really what it... Look, Laker fans could be mad at us all they want, Tom, but this is what it's come down to now with the, the past coaching decisions they've made now with bringing LeBron James in. Changed completely the, the dynamic of this franchise. And we all talk about the fake championship that they won. That That's all they have in the LeBron James era is the fake one. And now you're not even getting top-name coaches 
because these guys don't want to play for him or coach for him. Sorry. We just talked about some some top name coaches, Tim. The old Lakers would be on the phone with Coach K. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they get him, but they'd be on the phone with Coach K. The old Lakers would be calling Jay Wright and say, Jay, look, you know, you're stepping away. Come to the NBA. We're going to give you carte blanche. You can't do that. You, you can't. Look, everything is broken here with LeBron. We're awful. We haven't won a thing with LeBron. He's been an abject failure since he's come here. He's been a complete and utter sideshow and a failure in every way, shape, and form. But we're going to give you total control of the team. I keep hearing people go, oh, well, what if Phil Jackson come? You think anybody that has any kind of respect as a coach is going to come to this team? Get out of here. Come on. Come on. That's the problem. When you have problems like this, you've got to kind of open it up and just lay yourself on the line. Hat in hand, we're going to give you control of everything because we trust you that much. You can't get a big coach and then say, oh, by the way, LeBron's going to also make personnel decisions. LeBron's going to make playing time decisions. LeBron's going to basically be your coach. You, You can't do that. When LeBron went to the Lakers, I told you it was a massive mistake by L.A. It has been nothing but a mistake. They have won zero. They have failed at every single, just every single goal that they had. And Tim, not only did they fail at every goal, they were the laughing stock of the league last year. It's funny, and I don't, I can't answer this, but I know you will for me. And I, but I can answer the what I call the equivalent over on the NHL side of it, Tom. That how good, much like the NHL playoffs are without the Vegas Knights in there. Yes, the Vegas Knights. How good are these NBA playoffs without LeBron James in there? It has to be beautiful, man. You know, it's funny because I think LeBron is one of the more boring superstars that we've ever had. Um, His game is boring. When he's out there, it's boring. It's not a good watch. We have superstars that are fun to watch right now. Giannis is fun to watch. Luka is fun to watch. Curry has always been fun to watch. I'll tell you what, Jimmy Butler is fun to watch. Jason Tatum is fun to watch. The the NBA has left LeBron behind. They've moved on. And the NBA is, you know, they're creating new superstars. The NBA playoffs isn't exactly great right now. But I feel, I feel for the first time since they've left LeBron in the dust, for the first time I think the NBA has a good – couple of years in the in the future we have a chance to go wow all right the nba is back to being good i don't know if it's going to get there but it's the first time i see a glimmer of hope get boring overrated lebron out of the way and now start giving it to the young guys when you, you said something about the, creating the new stars and, and yes the that group of of youngsters I'm, of course, I'm going back a year, but watching and, and looking statistically, Tom, you can see where the new group of what's going to carry the NBA here in the, in the future sits. But you know, we just had a a draft lottery, and you're looking at these mock drafts now for the NBA. Is there that guy in college anymore, Tommy? Because of these the, the superstars to be usually don't come right out of the draft, man, anymore. It doesn't seem Tim, like- they're playing in Europe. Yeah, the, the three you could argue, and this is a very, this is a very quick sentence that I'm going to say, and I'm probably going to regret it, but but not really. But you could argue the top three players in the NBA right now are all from Europe: Giannis, Joker, 
and uh, and Luca. You could argue that. Um, I would say they're at least most people would say they're three of the top five or so, right? I mean, you want to kind of want to put Curry in there and whatnot, but uh, I'm sure people are going to argue with me in Philadelphia that Embiid has to be there, sure. But overall, those three guys are are your future of your NBA. Even with Luca and Giannis, you're the, they are the right now of the NBA. Tim, they weren't, uh, you know, dunking the ball uh, at, at, all over the place in the field of 64, right? They, they were playing in Europe. And you start to look at who's coming out and who's going to be able to be that dominant. I mean, that guy. Who's going to be that guy? I don't see him. You know, I don't see him. And, I, and I'm going, look, I don't know enough about the European League, but if I had to put my money just on it, is it going to be Chet Holmgren? Is it going to be Jabari Smith? You know, is it going to be Banchero from Duke? I don't know. It might be Jay Nivey. You know, a lot of these guys are good. A lot of these guys, you, you say, yeah, I could see him being a player. Sure. Yeah, you know what? Maybe. But I'm looking and I'm going, okay, who's com- who's coming from the NBA? I mean, who's coming from uh, from Europe, right? Who Who's coming from Europe? Maybe maybe a Dyson Daniels from the G League, right? I mean, he's he's Australia guy. Maybe he's the guy. And I wouldn't put it past him being the best player here because, Tim, they are NBA ready. They are ready to play. They are ready to go right away. The NBA guys are right here. Uh, uh, Dang, who, uh, the, the French uh, kid, the 18-year-old kid, he might be the next big thing. You have to look at what the NBA is doing. And when your best players are from the European League and they're learning the European style and what is going on with Europe, well, maybe you should start sitting back and going, okay, let's start listening to what the NBA uh, success rate is. And the NBA success rate right now is European players. You look at the drafts here just in the recent future, or recent past, excuse me. Anthony Edwards, he's fun to watch, Tommy. So that, that you know, he, I think we can eventually put him in that group of nice, fun, young superstars, but not t- top of the NBA. You want to go back uh, draft again, and, and we saw, of course, Zion can't stay healthy. John Morant now, when he was out, they seemed like they played better without him at, in stretches anyways. But then you go back to the draft you talked about with Luka, and the only thing that sticks out to me in that draft, and every time I see Luka and it, it it really had to be the sore thumb for Phoenix was, if you remember that draft where Phoenix took DeAndre Hayden first, who, who, look, Tom, right? He, he could be end up being one of the better centers here in, in the in the future of the NBA as he statistically has gotten better every year, but he's no he's never going to be a Luka. And Phoenix, not, Phoenix had entrenched as the head coach was Luka's uh, national team coach for Slovenia, and they didn't even draft him, right? How big of an X was that for Phoenix, number one? But, again, going back to the whole European situation, you're right. It is seems to be that's the way it's going to be, and that's the way the game's transforming. It's transforming into the European basketball. Tim, if you remember when we, we were on the air for that draft um, and we had somebody that used to be part of the show that used to come on and uh, considered himself an NBA guy, when I said I would take Luka number one without hesitation, I, I was mocked for it. Okay, mm-hmm. laughed at for it. Uh, Aiton was a good player. You can't say that he hasn't been a good player, right? Uh, but Luca has been, I mean, just that that next thing. He really has been. Uh, most of the time, you're hoping 
for one or two of these guys in the top 10. Go back to even the Giannis draft, Tim. The Giannis draft. Anthony Bennett went number one. Anthony Bennett. But that wasn't, listen, Victor Aladipo went next. He's a solid player, but nothing great. Otto Porter, Cody Zeller, Alex Len, Noel, Macklemore, Coldwell Pope, Burke. I mean, you got to get down to C.J. McCollum at 10 to say, all right, I can even understand that. Adams, Shabazz, Muhammad. It, people just are still in a place where I speak to NBA draft scouts and NBA draft analysts, and they are frustratingly trying to get it through. Guys, we know you like these guys. Go to the European market. And we're going back 2013, Giannis fell to number 15. Luca fell to number three. Well, I don't know many people outside of a couple of uh, complete idiots out there that would have not taken Luca number one. It didn't make any sense. And we're back, to, Tim. We're back to the situation where, you know, we're waiting for that. Like you said, we're waiting for that next thing. We're waiting for that next big guy. And I think that the next big guy will probably come in the form of a European player. He wears sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. By the way, Tim, real quick before we go to break, uh, Jokic in 2014, round two, pick 41. Yeah. <laughs> the smart the, the teams. The two-time don't MVP. Yeah. yeah. Two-time. The, the two-time MVP. Right. Smart move there. Huh? I, 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 you know, you, you're right, though. That you, Now you're seeing, though, a lot, of, a lot more money being dumped into scouting and, and finding it, but yet there's still, it seems like there's still franchises that are clueless, Tom. Well, look, like the guy that I just said, I'm not telling you that he's going to be the guy, okay, this this kid from Australia, or da- dang, I'm not telling you that he's going to be the guy, but there's not a mock draft I could find getting picked inside the top 10. Mm-hmm. He Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Take a short time out when we come back. Move on to Lord Stanley's Cup. Some good, no, not good, great matchups here in this playoffs. We'll break them down for you, see where we stand. And a big game tonight for the Colorado Avalanche. Did they uh, wake up from their slumber? We'll break that down for you as well. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. And we are back. Heatwave Sports, Saturday night. Tommy, here in Las Vegas, I'm sure you have them out there as well. I just, I'm not uh, familiar with what they're called or anything, but out here it's EDC, Electric Daisy Carnival, has taken over the city, over out at the Speedway, 100,000 ravers. Uh, it's, been, it's been quite the weekend, my friend, here at work. Let's just put it that way. I've never heard of it, and I feel uh, I feel pretty lucky. <laughs> yes. Don't get me wrong. There's some interesting outfits, if you know what I'm saying. But oh yeah, take the good with the bad, you know. By 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 the girls that haven't showered in three weeks. <laughs> that that would be the bad side of it. Yes. That that's like Burning Man, right? Uh, yeah. I, I remember my buddy wanted to take me to Burning Man when I was in my mid twenties. Uh, he's like, "Oh, we gotta go. We gotta go to Burning Man. Gotta burn." And the way he exp- described it, you know, yeah, you always have one of these guys. You know, one of one of my buddies. Like, you don't understand. It's awesome. You just sit out in the desert for like days on end, and then at the end, you hook up with girls. And I'm like, are there showers and stuff there? No, that's the beauty of it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like, wait, wait, what's happening here? You know, yeah. There was a lot more explanation to that 
by the way, by, by him. I'm like, yeah, Mike, I, I just don't think that's my thing. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. Where in that is beauty? <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. Not yeah, a razor to be found. <laughs> Everybody has their own fetishes, I guess, man. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, we interject personal stuff sometimes. I, I just have to give the shout out, Tommy, because you're well aware of it. But today, uh, my son won and his team, my son and his team, excuse me, Meadows High School. They didn't win. They destroyed them. Too. Yeah. No, you're right. Thank you. They dominated the state championship game in winning the 2A, Nevada 2A state baseball title over at Bishop Gorman High School today. It was a hot one out there, and they had to come through the loser's bracket. But they win the first game. Uh, in the morning, five to two, and then in the title game, they mercyed them ten nothing. And uh, the best part about it is, my boy, uh, not only Tom did he start the deciding game and he shut them out. He went five innings. They they called the game off after five. He went five innings, gave up three hits, had seven strikeouts, but he also hit a a two run inside the park home run that at the time they were only up one nothing. That gave him a three nothing lead. The momentum just drastically, whatever uh, slight momentum the other, the opposing team had shifted, and then they were able to put able to put up a seven spot in the fifth to win it. So, much congratulations. Um, I know some of us on our group chat. I was keeping you guys informed. It was, I, I don't even know how to describe it, man. Uh, it's um, it's something to see that when, you know, like literally, Tommy, I I signed him up for, but he didn't even want to play when he was. Uh, five years old. I had to make him play T-ball, and and look where he's at now, man. It's uh, it's an unbelievable feeling. That's so cool. It really is. I can't wait, Tim. That we're we have a chance, and I don't put this undue pressure on any kid, so I won't say that it will happen. But uh, we have a chance to be talking about him, you know, on the air. Like 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 that's that's the coolest thing. It really is. But what I love is that even if he doesn't do anything past this, you know, you see it as we get older. You see in kids' lives. Moments that you're like, you'll not, not only will you never forget, but this is going to mold you as a person. Today's game, it was a baseball game, right? But today's game, Tim, it is a defining moment of his life, and he crushed it, which is amazing. Yeah, the, just the pressure I was feeling for him standing there watching this, you know, and, and you're sitting. Look, Bishop Gorman's unbelievable. Uh, look, the football stadium. You've seen, you've seen it. Their baseball stadium very nice as well, and just the, the the pressure I felt for him, and he came through with flying colors. You know, it, really, he's got two more years of ball left, and I know you had asked me last week about colleges and everything. He's going to all these summer camps now this year. Uh, obviously, he's got some size to him now. When I look at other high school kids, and he's you know he works out all the time, so his body's going to come into to form. So, like you said, even if it doesn't go anything further than this, it, that's something you, you can live. In the rest of your life and, and tell stories about. But I don't know, Tommy. I, th- I, th- I think at least we're going to get some uh, scholarship money here for him to go to school, though. So that would be happy for me and his mom as well. Well, listen, you know, at the end of the day, I, I said this to my son, and this is what's great about you talking about college and going to scholarship. Uh, you know, me and my son watching baseball, we're, we're talking, I said, you know, buddy, being a baseball player wouldn't make me the happiest thing in the world. And he said, well, why not? I, you know, they make a lot of money. I said, I'd rather you be the guy signing the checks. I said, being a baseball player is cool. Being the guy signing the checks is more. And I was trying to explain to him that going to school and getting those grades, that'll do it for you. You know, uh, going on, 
get, going to the pros or, or whatever Aiden does, that's unbelievable, Tim. But, yeah, going out there and getting that education because he's a baseball player and get, getting even some kind of help from that, I mean, that's that's just the epitome of everything that you are as a parent. Oh, 100%. And, and thank you. Thank you for the kind words. You look at relationships, and I know this this isn't sports talk, but it, it, it goes into who you and I are, I think, as people. And a defining relationship of, of a father-son uh, relationship. So, so the defining moment in a, in a father-son relationship is you look for things that bring you closer together. So it's not the fact that he play, plays baseball, right? Because I played baseball and you played baseball and your son's playing baseball. It's the little things. So he's never been like you and I, encyclopedias of sports. He has, oh, he likes this team or he likes this player. But I can tell as he's gotten older, he's put more effort into, you know, you and I will sit on a, on a couch or, or, the, or the, the chair and watch hours and hours and hours of baseball. He's never been like that. He likes to play it. Doesn't necessarily mean he likes to sit there and watch it with us, but I've noticed that as he's gotten older, he's not not that he, he's gotten more into the sport, Tom, but he, he makes that extra effort to to watch a game with me. He may only last part of it, but he'll watch the game. And or now he has like we have the, we have the same favorite players now we like to watch. So and we always take that summer trip to Anaheim. You know about it, and you're always welcome. Every year I extend that invitation. You're always welcome to come with us to watch a, a three-game set that the Angels play, regardless who they're playing. But that's always become a traditional thing. So I look for those type of relationship moments. And I know you have some with your son, and you will as he gets older. But those are the things that are important to me. And, you know, I hope – I wish him the best. He's got two more years to go. That whole team, Tommy, and I, I get it. Somebody said some some idiot in the stands, oh, well, it's 2A ball. It doesn't matter where you're at level-wise. You win, you win a championship, you win a championship. That whole team, they're loaded the next two years. They're all sophomores. So it's be fun to watch, you know. Tim, you want me to start rattling off for that guy? You want me to start rattling off Major League Baseball players that, uh, you know, played in 2A, played exactly. in JUCO? You know, you want me to start going down that road? I mean, come on. Come on. Exactly. There's a kid that just graduated from the same school he goes to, Meadows High School. He's playing at Cornell, Tom. So he may not be a baseball professional baseball player. He's gonna be he's gonna be one hell of a rich doctor though, you know. So, well, it, it, again, exactly. <laughs> you know, education first. A lot of these baseball players, you know, you get a nice career. Um, it, it's good to do, but you go get that education. Like I like I told Tommy, I said, let me tell you something. I want you to be the guy signing the checks to the baseball players. <laughs> I, that, he said, oh, that'll make you more proud. I said, yeah, that'll make me more proud, buddy. You buy a baseball team? Yeah, I don't know if you can get me more <laughs> proud than that. Well, we got some uh, hockey to talk about here. Only one game today, and we saw the, the number one seed in the West, the Colorado Avalanche, take out the, the four seed St. Louis 5-2. to two. And the turning point for me in this game, and it wasn't that Arturi Lekkanen had two goals and, and Darcy Kemper was solid in the net again with, uh, what was it, 29-30 saves. I think it was more the momentum of this team that we've seen in the first three games. So, yes, Colorado's up two games to one. But in game one, they had the long layoff, right, Tom, after the sweep in, in round one of Nashville. And they looked like it in that game. We, you, you and I both know that. We both were back in Colorado in that game. And it really there was this sluggish, sluggish team that they had to, to really grind it out and get that overtime win. Game two, they still looked like they were on vacation. And St. Louis just blitzed them and got a, a big road win to 
tonight it looked like Colorado kicked it into that gear again, the Colorado that we've seen all year long. Uh, it was a, it was a big win, not only on the scoreboard, but I think more so that's the team that you and I have pegged to go to the NHL final, and that's the team that I think is the team we're going to see the rest of this series now. Well, wait, only you did. I had I had Edmonton. Remember, I said I'm going yeah. with them. I uh, I went on on that, that crazy limb. Uh, I can't take the credit, but yeah. Look, everyone's going to mention the you know falling into the goalie and Biddington going out certainly had an impact. I'm not going to act like it didn't. I don't think it was nefarious. Uh, you know, I don't no. think it was a bad play. I don't think it was dirty. And I, I, I'll tell you what, even with Bennington in there, I still think Colorado is going to advance and win the series. St. Louis, though, is tough. You got to give them a lot of credit, Tim. They really, really have come to play and play really tough. They're they're a good look. They're a good, good hockey team. But that's that's Colorado, right? That's that's the thing that Colorado is set up so differently, and they had. I just don't know how to say You can watch a game and you can see the difference. If you look at game three versus game one and even game two, this was an avalanche team that looked like the team we saw all of the regular season. And, yes, Bennington being out, it affected the game, but you still have those things happen, Tom, right? And you have to come, to, you have to figure out a way to win when, when you don't have those guys in there. And I, I won't say, I, I can't even say it deflated St. Louis per se because they were still in this game into the second period. It's just I think Colorado is just a better team. That that's what it comes down to. It comes down to you take away Bennington and look, you can't. It's it's hockey. It's you know a goalie can just stand on his head and win a series for you. But you take away Bennington, this team is massively outmatched. You put him in there and he stands on his head like he does. Um, it's it's a one-one series, right? I mean that that's what this comes down to. But can you expect him to stand on his head for seven games or four wins? No, you can't. You can't do that. So, I, I I don't know. I mean, Colorado, game four, did, I mean, game two didn't make me feel very good. And the start of this game, they were down one nothing almost immediately. But I wasn't that concerned. I'll tell you what, I went in and actually li- live bet um, on the, the avalanche after that first goal right away. Because I was like, wow, that's the best case scenario. I didn't want to lay, you know, the big money today, but I'll live bet them. And I wound up live betting them. Because I had that much confidence, maybe it's me falling into the trap. And if Bennington is healthy, look, we could both be looking like idiots if he gets on this kind of roll. But I went in and live bet him because I, I there wasn't a second that went by, Tim, that I thought they were going to lose this game. Well, let's stay in the West. The team that you did pick to go to the Stanley Cup final represent the West, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, this series with Calgary unbelievable right so not only do we get the the uh, shootout at the okay corral in in game one in game two edmonton down three to one in, in the second period and they storm back and get a 5-3 win that's the that's what we were talking about remember when we previewed these series i said tommy the offense is going to be off the charts in this in this series and, and that i don't see where it's going to change i don't see them just fl- uh, flipping a coin and all of a sudden these become Two one three one games. I just think this is what we're going to get the rest of the way out, and that that was a big win for Edmonton because if they lose that game, I, I think it's over. Yeah, look to me, it's it's all McDavid here. Um, you can't watch this series and not see how unbelievably superior he is talent wise, and now he's got the drive, and this is exactly why I picked Edmonton. 
I think that in a great player's career, no matter what kind of sport you have, there comes a point where it, it, it's going back to a WWE thing. You know, it's almost his time, right? I mean, you know, he's, it's time to get the push. It's time to make that title run. And, and they just won't let it die. Now, I'm not saying McDavid is going to win it all this year. I think it would be great for the sport if he did. I'm not saying he's going to win it all this year. But he has the ability to not let them lose a game. He has the ability to just say, F it, I'm winning this one on my own. You know, uh, think about Serrano in Major League. You know, F you, Joe Boo, I'm doing it myself. That is McDavid to the rest of his team. Look, I love you guys. I got to win this thing. And when talent meets drive, that's a scary thing for the rest of the league. I think Calgary is probably the better team. But to use an Avengers line, we have the Hulk, right? I mean, if you're Edmonton, you're going, all right, you guys have the goaltending. You guys have the defense. You have more scorers. But we have the McDavid. And that's what this comes down to to me. I know Leon is a good number two. He's banged up. He's not 100%. You can't convince me that Nick Nurse is 100%. You can't. You can't, you can't convince me that Edmonton is better outside of we have McDavid. And guess what, Tim? That might be enough. We saw it happen in round one with the Kings. And now, again, in the first two games, McDavid just um, so, so fun to watch. And this series will shift back to Edmonton for game three, Tom. And yet again, here we go. If you're looking at lines, I, I've found a couple places where you can still get Edmonton plus money in this in this situation tomorrow night. Plus money at home, plus money for the series. If you believe in Edmonton like I do, but you didn't jump on them early, still plenty of time. Um, I, I thought that this was going to go seven. And remember I said to you, if it goes seven, do you bet against Calgary at home with an entire country kind of on their back? Or do you bet against McDavid in a game seven? And I'm sorry, all of Canada could be behind them. I'm not betting against McDavid in a game seven. So I expect this to be a long series. I kind of like them tomorrow. Uh, But if they lose, I'm not going to go, oh, that's it. The series is over because we still have a McDavid. Can the same be said as we move to the East for your chances? I know you're going to be watching this tomorrow for your chances on the Rangers now down 2-0. Carolina seemingly, in my opinion, Tom, they outplayed him completely in those first two games. Is this a situation where, hey, look, Everybody says that this Ranger team, we're looking, we were, I won't say lucky to be where we're at, but we did overachieve to where we thought we would be, and this was a team set up for the future. So this is kind of where we're at, or do you think this is maybe Carolina uh, is over, was over or undervalued coming into the series? What's the situation here? They, they don't win tomorrow. This series is completely over. But, Tim, this is, this is what I expected. I, I'm a Ranger fan, Tim. I'm optimistic here. I like it. Look, they just went through, the Hurricanes just went through a series against Boston, a much more experienced team than the Rangers. They won every game at home. Carolina at home is just phenomenal. And here's the thing. I asked you this before the series began. Do you believe that Igor is the guy that we watched the entire year or the guy that we watched in three games in the middle of series one? And I said to you, if he's the guy we watched in the entire year, this thing's going seven and I think that the Rangers could win. Well, what I've seen is nothing spectacular by the Hurricanes. Two goals, two one win, two nothing win. That, that to me, I know that the Hurricanes are a defensive team, but that to me is going, all right, Igor's back. I, I mean, he's back. He's allowing two goals a game. 
Now, in that tough place to play in the Hurricanes, look, it's really tough to play in Carolina. Now you come back home, Madison Square Garden, you're back home with Igor playing the way that he is. You're right, they have to win tomorrow. I get that. But I don't think that, I don't think I expected the Rangers to go in and win one of the first two games in Carolina. I don't think that I did. I was just hoping that the games were going to be played like this. And that is, let's get the defense a lot of confidence. Let's get Igor confidence. I think they win tomorrow. I think they win at home. And I think that this thing goes game seven. And here you go. Do you bet against the Carolina Hurricanes who do not lose at home with that kind of defense? Or do you bet against Igor in a game seven? Hmm. These are good scenarios, Tom. They're, They're very good scenarios. You're right. And I told you, I said, I think Igor's back. And, and obviously he is so far. It's just that Rant has been a little bit better, right? Rant has been a little bit better. And um, the Rangers just haven't taken advantage offensively when they've had the opportunity. And look where we're at. Low-scoring hockey games. That just feeds into Carolina, though, when I look at it. So tomorrow, absolutely huge game at the Garden. I know you'll be watching that one. Yeah, look, I, I mean, you're talking about shots on goal, right? Uh, in game one, Carolina only had 26 shots on goal. Rangers at 28. They, they outshot him. Game went into OT. So, uh, to me, you know, I, I'm looking at that and I'm going, that is that is a, a lucky shot. I, I don't want to take anything away from Carolina. I'm just being honest here. If, if basically the shots on goal were exactly the same, the game went into overtime. He lost the game by one. In game two, shots on goal, Tim, 21 by the Carolina Hurricanes, 21 by the Rangers. We're talking about this scene. So throughout this series, the Carolina Hurricanes have two more shots on goal. And they have three more goals. <laughs> that's that's a product of bad luck. I don't think, I know you said it to start off, you thought Carolina outplayed them. I don't think so. I think we're watching the best defense in the league in Carolina take on the second best defense in the league in, in uh, the Rangers. I think that home ice advantage really leans their way. And that game that was played in overtime, I, it could have gone either way. I actually believe that the Rangers played a better half of game in that game. So I, I'm not, look, I'm not down on this team, but yeah, they do have to win tomorrow. Again, with this game, it, I see a couple places it looks like it's dead even money or, or slightly favorite Carolina. Yeah, I got Carolina minus 120 in most spots. Um, Over-under is five and a half. In a series where no one scored more than two goals, five and a half might be a gift. And the other matchup in the East, this one on TNT early here on the West Coast, 10.30 in the morning. Florida, the number one seed on the road, take on the defending two-time champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, Tommy, on the road in Tampa, and Tampa up two games. They, they won both games in Florida. Wow, how surprised are you about what's happening now? And is this, you know, we talked about the Igor show. It's still the Andre Vasilevsky show until they lose. Yeah, it is. And it's funny because, you know, Abby's a, a Florida Panthers fan. You know, we have a futures bet on them. And she said to me, she said, you know, I, I like the Panthers tomorrow. I want to bet the Panthers tomorrow. I just don't think they go away with a whimper. And we were having a conversation about it. She's like, look, they're the best record in the, the NHL. Um, you know, it's an in-state rivalry. It's not like they're going long for this road trip. They, they Last game, it was a nip-and-tuck game. They almost won. I don't think that they go away with a whimper. And it makes a lot of sense, Tim. And a lot of people, a lot of places have the Panthers as a favorite tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 
how do you bet against the Lightning in their own building in the playoffs? I, I, I understand the whole, they have to win. The Panthers have to win. But I said, Abby, how do you possibly bet against the Lightning? How do you bet against Vasilevsky in his own building in the playoffs? You, you can't do it. You just can't. I'm stunned, though. You want to talk about lines, and we talked about lines being off with that Mavericks team. Um, how about lines being off here, Tim? How is Florida a favorite here? I, I guess people are, are thinking that, you know, where's the Florida team that can score? Basically, you flip the switch and they can put three in the net real quick. I don't know, Tom. I don't know because if you really look at, you know, you talk about. They've scored two goals in two games. Yeah, they, and the thing with Vasilevsky is he gave up three in game six or game five, whatever it was, game six. Then he gave up one in game seven, one in the first game, and one in the second game. Igor's dialed in, but Vasilevsky's dialed in as well. It's, it's I don't know. They, they're going to have to break him, and then you maybe you can see the on-pouring of scoring happen here. But Tampa doesn't play that style, Tommy. You know, Toronto's a different – here's the thing with Toronto. I think what they learned with the Toronto series is – They'll figure it out. They figure out what they need to do defensively, and that's what Tampa and Cooper has been well-known for the last, what, three, four, five years is they figure it out, and they figured it out early in this series. So unless Florida finds a way to come back like they did against Washington and get the dam to break, it could be a short series. I, I don't – you know, I'm not calling for a sweep either, but going down 2 nothing back to that place where they won what they were 27-8 in the regular season at home, but historically, like you said, in the playoffs – you don't win there. You don't win in the Thunderdome or Lightning or whatever you call it. You just don't win there. Tim, let me ask you something. I, I love that you mentioned Cooper, and I wanted to have this conversation. Um, I, I had it written down to have tomorrow night, whether they win or they lose. Is there a more disrespected in professional sports, a more, more disrespected coach than John Cooper? Uh, he, this guy's going for, he's going for a three-peat, Tim. Yeah. If I, I he's mean, not at the top of the list, he's right He's there. He's top three for sure. People never mention him. They they just don't they don't mention him. If you if you ask sport fans, uh, maybe it's a lot to do with with hockey. But if you ask a sports fan tomorrow, give me the top five coaches in, in sports. You're gonna get Sabins, Belichick's obviously right. I mean, you're gonna get those guys. Uh, you'll get maybe a manager from baseball, a rooster, or something like that. Um, no one's gonna mention John Cooper, and I think it's a travesty that the guy's sitting back and he's going for a three beat here. He he's he wins tomorrow. He's on the precipice of, of a three-peat, and no one's going to mention him. He's a, just a forgotten guy, which is very weird. And isn't that indicative, though, the NHL? Is it just you can't market a coach? Like, I know a lot of people that don't even know that Tampa has a hockey team still, and I know that's yeah. the league and, and the way it goes with, with the NHL. I'll tell you what, though. Tampa you know. loves them, though, Tim. You know I spend some time in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Tampa get backs this team. They like them a lot. You know, um, maybe outside, maybe maybe in Vegas, people don't know about light, the Lightning, but um, you know the, the the attendance is really good. The the signs around, I mean, it's they're a good they're a good team. They 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 are they're a they are a a, a draw. We'll say uh, specifically um, when you go out and you drive around Tampa, you see how much they do like them. As a matter of fact, you look at the the attendance report. Okay. So I just pulled up the NHL attendance report. Number one team in the NHL attendance report. Mm-hmm. 19, the average 19,092 fans through 41 games. 
Vegas is sixth at 18,000. Your Washington team is number two. That, that's quite that's quite an accomplishment of being in that. Again, it's nothing against Tampa, the city, the city of champions, obviously. We've talked about that. They are the city of champions. But is it that the, the NHL just, that's what we've always talked about for the last decade, is they just don't market the league right. And here's a perfect example is a guy like this, who, by the way, is signed for the next three more years. So this was supposed to be the, the beginning of the end for Tampa, right? I don't, I don't necessarily see it that way. I know the cap comes into play here, and maybe – this run will end uh, not Vegas style without a playoff appearance. It may end early in the playoffs next year. But the guy they have there, this is a guy that you lock up and stays for a long, long time. And I think that's the that's what they know, and they're doing that. Tim, I, I don't think it's a it's a reach to say, and I, you know I love Igor, and he had the best year this year. But I don't think it's a reach to say, for the last three years, they, they have a chance for a three-peat with the best goalie in hockey over the last three years and the best coach in hockey over the last three years. And by the way, you just said it. He's there. He's signed for three more years. And Vasilevsky's 27 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know. ouch. Yeah. Long, long. Look, in the NHL, we already, as with any head coaching job, what do they always say, Tom, that I'm being hired to eventually be fired? Well, that may happen with John Cooper at some point, but even not past longevity of in Tampa, he's only 54 years old, so he's got a job for as long as he wants in the NHL. You see the retreads that uh, happen in this league. People that are supposedly interviewing for the Vegas job, just retread after retread. Well, John Cooper becomes a retread. He's got at least 15 more years in this league, so there you go. Yeah, you, he might retire as one of the greatest ever. Tim, real quick, I know we only got about a, a minute or so to go. Um, who do you think's taking the Vegas job? That, that's, I, I guess it would be, that's two ways I can go on this one, Tommy. Is it, who do I think in terms of, like, as an analytical point of view, or who do I think in terms of who do I want it to be? I don't know, man. I, look, the, the, hot, the hot button was Barry Trotz, right? But I don't think that's happening. And then it, after that, it becomes, like I said, Retread City. Quinville's in there, Babcock. I don't know, Tom. I don't. I don't really have a, a say in it right now. I don't want it to be any of those guys. To tell you the truth. Yeah, Rick Tockett. Potentially. Hell of a player, but he doesn't do much for me as a coach. And, and look at look at his record. He's had what? How many stints? I, I don't know. I don't listen. I think they should go all in on Trotz, but I don't think they will. I think Trotz is headed to like maybe Winnipeg. Well, that's where he's from, anyways, and, and it would probably be ideal for him. I like Barry. Look, Barry Trotz brought my team a Stanley Cup right here in Las Vegas, as a matter of fact, on the home ice of the Vegas Knights. I, I think that's probably the would be the safe bet. But, again, Barry Trotz isn't the guy that's going to listen. He, he, you saw that happen in New York, Tommy, or Long Island. He doesn't want the front office and, and the owner meddling in what he does for a living. And I think that's, that's the sticking point that will keep him away from here. No, he definitely doesn't. And... Barry Trotz comes in and he goes, okay, we're going pure defense right now. You know, this is the style, boring defense. And all of a sudden the Vegas Golden Knights fans go, hey, we want exciting hockey. We want entertaining. We want ice shows. We don't care about winning. I mean, 
he'll be run out of town because he doesn't do the entertaining thing. The Islanders are a really tough watch. They were a hard team to watch, but they won. I think that's what Vegas needs, though, right? I think so, too. That's the style that wins hockey right now. That's what we're looking at. Yeah, but it doesn't put butts in the seats. Look what he did. Look what he did in Washington. Washington. Look what he did with New York. Conference, two conference finals, right? In in three seasons, and what did that get him? Fired. So I, I don't know what to say anymore. That yeah, you're right. It's all about dollars and cents. The other name Toronto, I saw. The Vegas Golden Knights didn't didn't make the playoffs, but at least they had a Kraken coming out of the ice. So. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. But, that was very cool. But yeah. it, it's a show. It's a show to mask the fact that they weren't winning. The other name I saw, John Tortorella, who's been around, I don't know how many different stops. Obviously, he won a Stanley Cup in Tampa, to tell you the truth. And um, I think he's just past his prime, though, when you look at coaches. And that's another guy. He is a firecracker, man. You know that with his stint with the Rangers. He is a firecracker. I didn't love him on the Rangers, I'll be honest with you. I, I wasn't a, a a fan. I mean, look, he did he did fine, but I wasn't a fan. I tell you what I do like about him, man. and it's nothing personal. But if he doesn't like the question that, that he's given in the media scr- uh, scrums, he lets them know. And I think that'd be perfect for this town, my friend. Just he does not put up with uh, guys that yeah, don't know what they're talking. He got about. suspended for throwing a water bottle at a fan and stuff. I remember <laughs> that thing going on. Yeah, fan was fan yeah. said something personal. He didn't take it, you know. The uh, the the kiss butt. Vegas media that doesn't really understand. Oh yeah, they would have a little something coming, huh? <laughs> Turtle might jump over the the podium and punch somebody in the face. <laughs> I would love it. I would love it. All right, I was gonna say, all right, you know what? Now I'm on board with hiring them. Okay. <laughs> Tommy, Why? Let everyone... okay, Vegas, just trying to get all the New York retreads. Yeah, I, that's a good question, man. Well, the guy that they should have stuck to is actually coaching in New York. Let everybody know what you're up to, Tommy. Like I said, that that podcast is locked and loaded for me when I get off of work. That's just one of the just one of the things that you got going on right now, man. Yeah, I got a lot going on here, guys. Go check out TomBartonSports.com. Absolutely rocky. Hit a level four play, only my second level four play of the Major League Baseball season. 2-0, I hit the same exact spot. Adam Wainwright against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Guys, it's easy money. It was only minus 140. Two level four plays, crushed them both. I hit that one this week. I am on an absolute tear at TomBartonSports.com. Um, 32 and 13 over my last 50 games. Absolutely crushing. That's NHL. That's NBA. That's everything. Go check that out. Go check out Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. The podcast, Wagering Week. The podcast is Believe in Betting. I want you to go check out Believe in the Ivy League as well. Getting a lot of recognition on that. Uh, Columbia won 19 games in a row. I went over some football recruits and who's got a good recruiting class this year. Uh, Harvard actually getting some big-time recruits this this season for the upcoming football season. And tomorrow morning on SGN Sports Garden Network, I'm going to be on Wanna Bet Weekend Edition. We have a good fantasy section talking about saves and steals. Lots of guys out there that you jump on for saves. So go check it all out. Go check it out at TomBartonSports.com. For Tommy Barton, Brian, Tim Munglesby, we'll talk to you tomorrow night at 10 o'clock right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. Have a good Sunday.